Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to go back and answer some of your Disney-related questions. As always, keep those questions coming to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. I'll always answer them. Once in a while, I try to put some of the ones that have a broader appeal onto my podcast so that anyone can hear the answer. But uh, overall, I'm always happy to answer questions anytime anybody has them, so feel free to send them over. Uh, I can help with a little bit with Disney planning, a little bit with some of the uh, strategies and so forth. Um, I have some answers for some of this stuff, and sometimes it just takes a little research. Maybe I can find an answer if I don't know, Um, but a lot of times I do know the answers. Um, So anyway, I want to go ahead and get started with a a couple of questions here. So our first question comes in from Melanie. She was asking about uh, going to the Disney parks, and she said uh, she wanted to have some advice on not going in for rope drop. You know, now that they're getting a little older, you know, they're in their 50s, she and her husband and the friends or whatever. Uh, so that she asked the question about uh, a lot of times what they used to do was go over there for rope drop, leave and go swim in the pool, maybe take a nap and then go back later. So this time, what would you think about us actually not going for rope drop, sleeping in a little bit and then going later and staying until the end of the day? And I think that's a great idea. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, and it's become more true over time, a lot of people come in early in the day, especially with little kids, and they try to do all the attractions they can going around and see everything. And I think that uh, there's when around parade time would come around three o'clock, the, you'll start to see people leaving the park uh, as they go back and they go to take a nap or go swim in the pool or whatever. And some people don't come back. They'll go have dinner, they'll put the kids to bed, whatever, and they do other activities. So some people don't come back in the park. So you see it being a little bit more uh, of a mature crowd, not little kids. You do see some little kids, don't get me wrong. It's still Disney World. It's still the Magic Kingdom and whatever. And uh, you'll still see people there. But it's a different experience when you start later in the day because you don't have the little, little kids around the same way that you do early in the day. So it's kind of a different experience. And I find that the evenings in the park are different than uh, daytimes in the park anyway. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of things that happened uh, in the parks that uh, don't happen during the day. So it's kind of fun to, to switch it up a little bit and try something different. Now, uh, she also asked the question, what about the rain? And yes, rain is always a concern, especially if you're going in the springtime or early fall. Rain is always a concern. And you have to kind of manage that a little bit. And the afternoon storms can be quite something. But in Florida, the afternoon storms usually last a short amount of time. They will blow through. They will be very hard for maybe an hour, and then they're gone. And with the exception of some puddles on the ground, you might not even know it rained. Uh, There may be a little humidity, but you may not even know. So if you take some rain gear with you, whether you have a poncho, raincoat, or an umbrella, you can kind of do some strategies. And I find that sometimes ducking in and out of stores and just doing a little bit of browsing, maybe even shopping while you're waiting for the rain to pass is sometimes a good thing. Or if you can make it from one place to an attraction that's an indoor attraction, great opportunity. So say, for example... You're in the Magic Kingdom, hang out in the Emporium for a little bit and just kind of, you know, do a little little browsing, maybe talking to cast members, having a little fun. 
And then if you can make your way back around and kind of scoot back toward Pirates of the Caribbean, you can go on Pirates of the Caribbean and it's an indoor ride. You stand in the queue for a little while. It's kind of nice. It's very pleasant. And then at the end, you're at the end of the ride and you're standing in the gift shop there. So again, you're undercover. So you can kind of come up with some strategies if you think about some of the places that go that are inside or that have a cover on them so you can kind of hang out. It's really not so bad. And Disney is set up in a way where they'll kind of uh, it, there's a lot of places where you can go for either shade or to stand out of the rain uh, that are kind of, you know, right on the beaten path, but you may not notice them as you're wandering along to wherever you're going. There's a lot of places like that. So if you kind of plan your strategy around that, you can make it work. It's really not something to worry about per se. You can uh, just enjoy it. I would also check the schedules of the parks to see how late they're open and try to plan accordingly. Now, for me personally, some days when I uh, take on the parks, what I'll do is I'll go up and if I'm driving up, I might go to the park part of the day the first day I'm there. And then I will check to see if they're open really late one night. I will stay there until the park closes. So if they're open until midnight, I will stay there until midnight. Then I'll go back to the hotel and I'll sleep and I'll get up in the morning whenever I get up and I'll head back to the park again. But I can enjoy it that way because I know that they're open later and I can kind of maximize my time. As it gets later in the day, you know, closer to midnight, the park starts to clear out a little bit. And if you're in the back part of the park somewhere, again, let's say I'll over by Pirates, or you're back over in um, uh, Tomorrowland or in uh, Fantasyland somewhere, sometimes you'll see that the attractions have almost no wait time because it's so late. And it's a great time to go see those attractions. So it's a great opportunity to kind of enjoy yourself. So I would, I would encourage you to kind of check it out and uh, really kind of take advantage of it because there's a great way to see the parks a little differently. And uh, seeing things at night is always kind of different anyway. You know, you think about going there at Rope Drop and that's the way the park is. And maybe that's your strategy. That's the way you've always gone. But think about maybe going later in the day and changing up your strategy and do something different. The parks, while they're the same park, it does feel a little different when you go at different times of day. So I hope that answered your question. Um, next up is Torrance. Uh, he had a question about um, he's going with his uh, family. Uh, family. Uh, so there's uh, grandparents, uh, his two teenage daughters, uh, his sister, and uh, nieces that are a little bit younger than teenagers, preteens. The plan was to go in September, and how do they manage that as far as the Star Wars lands and what's going to happen there? And, you know, I don't think anybody knows the answers to the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and what the crowd is going to look like. I know Disney is going to limit the admission to the park. I know that Disney is going to uh, not have fast passes in the early days that they're doing it, so that way they can kind of structure and let people go into the park and enjoy it in some way. I would generally recommend that you plan around Disney's Hollywood Studios so that you're not stuck in the crowd there. Um, I remember when uh, the Avatar Pandora World first opened, that was a bit of a mess. It was almost impossible to even get into the Animal Kingdom, much less get around to see that part of the park. But if after about a month or so, it was possible to at least get in the park and just kind of go to other parts of the park and enjoy what the Animal Kingdom had to offer. And I would argue that it was actually lower crowds in the rest of the park because people only were going there to see Pandora. And then after a few months, it was possible to even to just get into Pandora and see it around and look around. And if you could get a fast pass, that's great. And if you couldn't, maybe you'd stand in line for a couple of hours and see the attractions, really kind of depending on what you wanted to do. But the crowd levels kind of changed. So with the Star Wars themed land opening in August and the uh, park being open through then, by you know, late September, you should see the crowds die a little bit, enough where it would make sense to be able to go into the park itself and maybe enjoy the park and navigate around. I might suggest that you go ahead and get fast passes for some of the other things in the park and 
kind of enjoy yourself a little bit as far as the park goes. And you may be Toy Story Midway Mania or a Slinky Dog Dash or some of the other attractions that you might want to see in the park. And then just kind of avoid the Star Wars land unless it looks like it's, there's crowds are lower, then you could go in and check it out. Now, for me personally, I'm going to be up there probably, I'm thinking October. I'm not sure when exactly yet. Still trying to plan around some other activities. But I'm thinking for me personally, when I go in October, my plan is to see if I could possibly get into the Star Wars themed land. And if not, then I'll just, I'll just forget about it and not do it this trip. Uh, I go often enough where I can make it work. For people that come sort of irregularly or have uh, distances to travel, it's a tricky thing. How do you manage this whole Star Wars theme land? If you look at the Disneyland experience, opening day was a madhouse. It was crazy there the first day, maybe the first week. And since then, it's been lower crowds. Now, part of the reason for that is Disney started to uh, implement some policies where they weren't allowing annual pass holders to go into the park at all. So that was a sort of a, a way that they kept some of the, the people out. But pass holders make up most of their population. It's a different thing than Disney World. Disney World has fewer pass holders as compared with people who are vacation club owners or people who are there on vacation and paying you know large sums of money to stay in hotels and enjoy themselves. So it's going to be different. So you can't really use Disneyland as a barometer, only as sort of a, you know, sort of a look at what it might look like. But I suspect that while Disney hasn't officially announced any of their policies yet as far as pass holders go, I have to imagine that for the short term, they're going to restrict some of the access for a period of time. So you kind of have to work around that a little bit. Um, I think this is something new. You know, Toy Story Land was, you know, had a lot of attendance. Pandora Land had a lot of attendance. But Star Wars Land seems like it's got a lot more uh, things going on there. Uh, and it's going to probably bring in more uh, people coming to the parks for that period of time. Now, the other part of the question was coming from the Vacation Club property that I'll be staying at, taking the bus over to, to uh, the Hollywood Studios. Is that going to be a problem? So he asked, what if I went to the boardwalk instead and I was going to be at the boardwalk, say, for breakfast? Would it be easier to just walk over to Hollywood Studios or take the boat over and then see how it goes? And I think, yes, that's a good strategy because then you can kind of play it by ear a little bit and keep your day flexible. And because you're on the boardwalk, if it looks like it's going to be a problem to go over to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and you can always check the Twitter feeds and what's going on and for, Di for the Disney parks and some other things to get a sense of what it looks like, you can uh, decide maybe to go to Epcot instead. And it'd be an easy trip to just go over to Epcot and maybe check it out that way. So that would be my take on it. Uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting trip, um, planning it for that time and trying to get over and see like Fantasmic. Make sure you get a fast pass for Fantasmic if you can. I think that's going to be uh, a better choice for you. Uh, and that way you're sure that you can get in. Um, if you have the fast pass for it and you already have your, your admission ticket, you should be able to get in no problem. Um, as I said, I think that what they're going to do is restrict access to the land for some period of time. See, they'll have a queue that comes in and just goes over to that land. And they'll have other guests who come into the park itself and are able to go and see different things in the park. So I think that's the way they'll make it work. I know they've done that in the past. That's the way they did Pandora. That's the way they did Toy Story Land. So I imagine they'll do the similar thing when it comes to uh, opening Galaxy's Edge. The next question comes from Larissa. We have a package in August and we're staying for 14 days and have a 10-day park hopper ticket. Am I able to add two days to that ticket? And if so, would they be full price tickets or less because I'm not, I don't have the park hopper? And uh, just wanted to know some more information about that. And the short answer is no, you can't add days to the 10-day ticket. The 10-day is the maximum that Disney sells other than an annual pass. So you could always upgrade to an annual pass 
And if you look at the price points, I believe that the buying an annual pass as opposed to the 10-day ticket may be a better value for you, though your package price would change because you're not buying the tickets with it. Though you could call the uh, reservations office and find out what the difference in price would be, or a Disney authorized travel agent can check into it for you as well and may be able to find you a better package price as a result of that, staying in the same hotel and kind of keeping your existing reservation. So always a, always a good choice to check out a, uh, one of these uh, Disney uh, authorized vacation planners. They sometimes can help you with some of these things. But the short answer is no, you can't do that. You could upgrade to an annual pass or the other option you'd have is to go ahead and maybe buy a water park pass for the uh, two days and go in and enjoy the water parks. Or on those other two days, I know you said you had two, day, two down days because you're going to be there for 14 anyway. On the other two days, you could go ahead and visit some of the other amenities that are around the Walt Disney World Resort. You know, maybe you go miniature golfing at the Fantasia or Winter Summerland courses, or uh, you go out and you explore the boardwalk, or you go to Disney Springs, or you know, you go bowling at Splitsville in Disney Springs, or you see a movie, or you do something else that's a little bit fun and a little bit different, has that Disney touch to it, but isn't inside a theme park. You could always uh, make reservations at one of the uh, signature dining establishments and go enjoy the, uh, the hotel where it is, because typically they're inside hotels and you could go enjoy that. Um, you could go check out uh, some of the other uh, things that are on property that you might want to, that you might not otherwise see. Uh, of course, because you're a resort guest, you have access to all of the transportation that Disney offers. So you could take a boat, a monorail, or a bus to somewhere and go check it out and see what kind of fun things you can get into. Uh, you might find some fun activities at one of the hotels, depending on, you didn't say which hotel you're staying at, but depending on which hotel you're staying at, the, the hotel itself may have some fun activities. Or of course, you could always just hang out at the pool and people watch. Uh, that's always kind of fun. You know, one of the funny things is I, I almost always find, maybe I shouldn't say always, but very often find that while I'm hanging around and just doing nothing and tooling around, I'll run into somebody who maybe is a celebrity. Maybe they're a large celebrity. Maybe they're not a great, you know, big celebrity, but I'll see them around. And it's kind of fun to see what people watch, you know, and sometimes you see the celebrities. If, you know, they're not too busy, you might ask them, you know, might take a selfie with them. You know, you want to be always be careful about that because they're on vacation. You don't want to interrupt their vacation either. But that kind of thing where you may have an opportunity to kind of people watch a little bit, may see somebody interesting. Uh, it's kind of funny sometimes the people that you run into. It's, you know, everybody loves Disney, right? So most people wind up there. Uh, the other choices you have, of course, if you have a car, you could always leave and go somewhere else around yeah, the area. There's lots of things to do uh, in the area you could go and do. There's some outlet shopping. You could go to one of the other miniature golf courses that's not at Disney. Uh, you could go and explore around a little bit. Um, there's, a, uh, there's actually a science center in Orlando that's pretty good. Um, you might want to go check that out. It's a little bit of a drive, but you might go check that out. You know, just other things that you could do. Or maybe you go to one of the other parks and just spend a day, you know, visiting the other parks. You go over to like City Walk or uh, Volcano Bay. Maybe you go check that out for a day. You know, there's lots of things you could do. Uh, it's really just a question of what you want to do. So I hope that answered your question. I just think you can, you know, you can fill your days and you can find fun ways to fill your days because it's the vacation capital of the world. Go down and see the Orlando Eye and, you know, take a tour up uh, to the top and take the Ferris wheel and go look out uh, and see the, the theme parks from a whole other perspective. So lots of things you could do. I uh, hope you find one that works for you. And then finally, I got several questions about FastPass Plus and what is FastPass Plus? How does FastPass Plus work? What's the whole deal there? So let me try and break it down very simply for you. The FastPass program is this program that allows you to pre-select rides and have a time that you can go and visit that particular ride or attraction. So in each of the par theme parks, there is a list of attractions that have the FastPass available for it. Now, in some of the 
theme parks, they group them together so you can only select one from this column, right? So it's a, a couple of different things and you can only select one of them. And so in the other parks, it select uh, any of them that you want. In any case, that you can only select three a day and they give you a one hour window in which you can go into that particular attraction. So if you're an Uber planner and like to have some idea of what you're going to be doing on specific days, I know I'm going to be on the Magic Kingdom on the Monday that I'm there. I'll go and select three fast pass attractions that things I want to see and I really, really want to see at the Magic Kingdom. And then on Tuesday, I'm going to Epcot and I'll select three things that I want to see in Epcot and so on. So that's what the fast pass program is all about. You do it through the My Disney Experience app. You select the, the times you want to go into uh, and uh, it goes through and it has a whole algorithm it does and it figures out exactly uh, what's available, when it's available and tries to plan around how many people you have in your party and how many uh, things are going on you do have the flexibility to change them. The challenge is for some of the more popular attractions, like say the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, it's hard to find availability when you get closer to your actual date of travel. So you have to kind of work around that a little bit. So you have to, if you really wanna see, let's say the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, you really wanna plan for that one to have on your list. Now, depending on how many people in your party, sometimes you can make adjustments to your, your travel plans as you're going through your day, even on the same day, and change it and say, you know, I really want to go to that earlier or later. Let's see if something else is available. Um, I find that for me personally, I find it to be a little bit of a nuisance because I don't like to be tied to a schedule and a park specifically, but that's me. Everybody travels a little bit differently and I hope, you know, hope people find the way that works best for them. And the way it works is you go ahead and you go into the My Disney Experience uh, app or website and you actually select your fast pass that you want to have and they add it to your account. Then when you get to the parks, you can actually uh, go and after you, when you go to that attraction, if it's your time, say it's at 10 a.m., you're going to Buzz Lightyear, you go up to the Fast Pass return line and you swipe your card or tap your wristband and it'll, it'll go green and tell you that you're eligible to go on the ride at that time. And you go through. Then after you've used your three in that park, you can select another one, a la carte, one at a time. You can select other Fast Pass attractions that you want to do. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll go ahead and I'll select one attraction I know I want to do. And then throughout the day, I'll be looking to see what else is available to see if I can do something else. Because I only pre-selected one, I can always add one more, one more, one more as soon as I use that one. So I can do it that way. It works for me. Everybody's got their own way of doing it and strategizing about it. In general, I would suggest if you haven't been there in a long time, there are very specific things you want to see. Go ahead and book those as Fast Pass Plus attractions. Uh, it's not that hard. It's pretty easy in the website. Someone else asked me, uh, can you do it with a, uh, a voucher that you buy from somewhere rather than an actual ticket? And the short answer is yes, asterisk. Um, usually you can. It depends on where that particular voucher came from. Most of the time you can add it to the app or the application uh, or the actual website and it will, uh, it will recognize it as a ticket and go ahead and let you do it. If you have trouble doing it, I would recommend calling the Disney guest line and talking to them and see if a, a host can help you figure out how to use it in that case. There are other ways to work around it if you can't do it in the app yourself. So that's, uh, that's something you can do. Now as far as the uh, timings go, so if you're staying at the club level in any hotel uh, and you have any Disney ticket, you can pay $50 per person per day uh, to be able to book 90 days in advance. Uh, with the ability to, put, to book multiple tier one attractions. Remember I said that they sort of have column A, column B. So there's some of them are tier one attractions. So like Epcot, a lot of their attractions are called tier one attractions and you can only select one of those. By paying the extra fee, you can actually get uh, multiples of those. So that's one way around it. So there's something you can do there. Uh, that's certainly a possibility. Uh, and uh, so that gives you the 90 days. 
If you're staying in a Disney hotel with any Disney ticket, you can typically book 60 days in advance. So if you're going to be staying at a Disney hotel, you can always go 60 days and actually book your fast passes. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you've got any other type of ticket or don't have a hotel reservation, the window is always 30 days. So up to 30 days in advance, you can go ahead and uh, start booking your tickets. So you, you book your fast pass uh, experiences that you want. And then when you arrive, you can actually use them. You can modify them. You can change them. Doesn't mean that it does not mean that there's going to be availability on the things that you want to do, but there's a lot of opportunities there to find other things. And of course, if the fast pass attraction doesn't work out, you can go back and uh, stand in the standby line. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. I've seen a few times where the fast pass line was longer than the standby line, which I can't figure out. It's all about the algorithms and the math they use to figure out what's, what's available and so forth. But sometimes the standby line is shorter, sometimes it's not. You can also strategize around going to the standby line at certain times of day, like say when the parade is going on or the fireworks are going on. If you're gonna be there for several days anyway and you want to, don't wanna see the fireworks every night, I would suggest maybe going to some of the more popular attractions just around the time the fireworks go off and you'll, you'll probably stand in line a very short amount of time. And of course, at the end of the day, if you go toward the very end, so whenever the park is closing, you go there 15 minutes before, a lot of times you can get on an attraction pretty quickly because the park is about to close. So that is certainly something you can do. Now, I did find this, um, this website. It's the, uh, the DIB, the D-I-B-B, um, and it's a UK site. And they actually have um, some information in here about what's available FastPass-wise. So you, uh, you can certainly go check it out. And I'll put a link to it in my show notes page so you can actually go to it yourself and uh, check it out. They have some really interesting information in here about what's available and what's not available and what times it's available and whatever. It's uh, pretty cool, actually. So I would, uh, I would help, I hope you uh, have a chance to, uh, to do that and uh, check it out. Well, there you go. That is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, keep those questions coming. Always, uh, always happy to answer your questions. And uh, remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. To try and find the, the best experiences for you. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gilles. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 